recap of Sunday's readings, it's time for Homily Highlights on Mater Day Radio. And today's homily highlight comes from our good friend, Monsignor Gerard O'Connor, the rector at St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. Today we celebrate the uh, solemnity of Pentecost. This is the completion of the salvific work of our Lord Jesus Christ with the beginning of the church. It's the church's birthday today. And today we commemorate the coming of the Holy Spirit in this feast that is very dear to us. And to a certain extent, this is a feast that binds all things together. And it binds us all together as a church. St. Leo the Great says about today that the hearts of all Catholics realize that today's solemnity is to be honored as one of the chief, chief feasts. And there is no doubt concerning the great respect due to this day, which the Holy Spirit has hallowed by the miracle of his most excellent gift. Today's feast ranks one of the highest solemnities. <clears throat> and throughout the history of the church, Pentecost really is the sort of third most, not most important, but the, the, the one of the great three, which are Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. And often we forget that because we have a lot of emphasis on Christmas because of all the things that have grown up around that over the years. And certainly Easter, because it is the mystery of our salvation, the resurrection. But throughout our church's history, Pentecost was uh, equal, if you like, to those two other great feasts. Because if you remember, the apostles would have been uh, celebrating Pentecost right from the very beginning. It was the day that they were empowered to go out and preach the gospel. It was the day that the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them the strength to go out. So it's something that would have been very uh, much in their mind. To show you the importance of Pentecost in the life of the church, you hear that beautiful sequence that was sung before the Alleluia verse. There are many sequences in the church on various feasts and uh, events. Uh, I think there are nine in total. Uh, the Stabat Mater is sung on feasts of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Dies Irae, which is sung at uh, the uh, funerals and All Souls Day and things like this. All of those sequences are optional. They can be used or they can't be used. It's up to uh, the priest. However, there are only two days when it's not optional. It's compulsory, which is Easter and Pentecost. This sequence must be said or sung at all the Masses today. So it gives you an idea how special this feast is. Also, up until recently, until 1970, the changes after the Second Vatican Council, there were three seasons that had an octave. There was an octave of Christmas, an octave of Easter, and an octave of Pentecost. That means all the next eight days from that feast are celebrated as feasts themselves, and the Gloria is said or sung on every day. Again, it gives you a sign of the importance of the feast in the history of the church. In 1970, we had a new calendar come out and the octave of Pentecost was dropped from the new calendar. And a lot of people didn't like the fact that it was dropped, but it was. And then there's a great story that on the Monday after Pentecost, it became the Monday of ordinary time and the green vestments were worn. And the story goes that Paul VI, who was Pope at this time, came to his chapel on the Monday after Pentecost and the sacristan had laid out green vestments and he said, oh no, there's a mistake here. This is red vestments, it's the octave of Pentecost. And the sacristan said, no, it's not Holy Father. It's the Monday of ordinary time. And he said, there is no octave of Pentecost anymore. 
And the Pope said, who did this? And she said, you did, Holy Father. And he was really annoyed. But it had slipped through anyway. But uh, that's the story of Pentecost. So it gives you an idea how important this is and how it has been through the history of the church uh, from the beginning. Because it is the church's birthday, it is the pouring of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on his church. And that's a very important thing. So obviously our mind is drawn to the Holy Spirit on a day like today. Because we read about the events of uh, the Holy Spirit being given to the church. Um, Pope Benedict XVI gave a homily a few years ago and he said the Holy Spirit has been in some ways neglected, in some ways the neglected person of the Blessed Trinity. And he, then he relates this story of when he was a young priest and a professor in Germany, he didn't understand the Holy Spirit and he didn't have a devotion to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was neglected in his life as a young priest and he says in the life of the church also, you know, we don't pray to the Holy Spirit enough, we don't invoke the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. The Father begets the Son. And this relationship of love between them is what we call the Holy Spirit. And we should, he says, invoke the Holy Spirit more. We don't have to be, you know, members of the charismatic renewal to allow the Holy Spirit to, to guide and teach us. So again, he says the unknown, sometimes the great unknown of the Holy Spirit needs to become the great known. There's a part in the Acts of the Apostles, you may remember, where Paul goes to, it's in Romans, he goes to Ephesus to meet with the local church there. And he asks them, he says, when, uh, he said, when you became believers, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they reply to him, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. It's a very interesting part of the, uh, of the scripture, that the people that were becoming believers in Jesus Christ didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it could be said that it's true today. You know, a lot of us, you know, concentrate our prayer on the Lord himself, Lord Jesus Christ, perhaps on God the Father. But very few of us spend that time invoking the Holy Spirit, the love between the Father and the Son, to be with us. And it's an important thing to do. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to pray as well. And obviously, we know that it's important for us to pray. But there's another part of the um, of a scripture in St. Paul as well. And he talks about the, we do not know how to pray. And he says, we do not know as, how to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. And what he's saying there is that, you know, we've all had this experience, I'm sure, that when we come to pray, we sort of like, we don't know what to, we don't know what to say, uh, we get distracted, uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult, we don't feel any consolation, all these sort of things. The Church Fathers has always said, it is perseverance in prayer that is the key to it all. It's putting the time in. And if we understand this from St. Paul, we'll never really know what we ought to say, but we should let the Holy Spirit work in us. He will give us the words. He will give us that communion with the Father and the Son as well. This very lack of words, this absence of words, is not important. It is the desire to pray. And it is the desire that the Holy Spirit will work within us in that prayer. It's sort of his job, really. We cooperate with him. But the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us this, this ability to, to pray as we ought. 
It is the Holy Spirit that gives us that desire as well. So the Holy Spirit is almost an interpreter who makes God and ourselves understand each other. And that's very important to do. <clears throat> and as I say, you know, with the prayer, with prayer life, it's about putting the time in. It's about being there in conversation with God, in the presence of God as well. And one final thought about today's feast and the Holy Spirit is that, you know, we read in the uh, Church Fathers about the Holy Eucharist being another Pentecost. Sometimes the Mass is described as another Pentecost. Why is that? Well, because we invoke the Holy Spirit. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that allows the priest to utter those words of consecration and that by which the, body, the uh, bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that is invoked upon the altar, upon those gifts. Um, and to, to give you the, this example of it, at all the masses in every Eucharistic prayer, whichever one we use, you'll notice that the priest puts his hand over the gifts shortly after the offertory. That is called the epiclesis in Greek. That is a, a, a part of the liturgical action in whereby, if you listen to the words, sometimes the words are a little bit more veiled than others. It changes from Eucharistic prayer. But basically, that is when the priest invokes the Holy Spirit that these elements of bread and wine would become the body and blood of your only begotten Son. So that's why we ring the bell at that time. It's a reminder that they were coming to the most important part of the Mass, which is the consecration. And now the priest invokes the Holy Spirit. So again, that point where you know, we recognize that at Mass, when we come to Mass, we're experiencing another Pentecost because the Holy Spirit comes down upon his church just as he did on this day on the apostles in an upper room. And we know now that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a very comforting thing as we refer to the Holy Spirit in, as the comforter, that the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit to give us strength in prayer, to give us strength in witness to the gospel, and remember, the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. It is all about that love. And that is today's homily highlight from Monsignor Gerard O'Connor, Rector at St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception here in Portland.